and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio, WLMW 90.7 FM, Manchester, New Hampshire, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at Taryn at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. You know her. She is a part of our We the Patriots USA podcast network. Kristen Megan is back to join our podcast today. She has her own show with We the Patriots USA called Vets and Visionaries with Kristen Megan. She is a scientist and and an industrial hygienist by trade. So we're having her on today to make some comments on the recent article that the Daily Mail published with a study out of the UK that that determined that face masks may risk raise the risk, excuse me, of stillbirths, testicular dysfunction and cognitive decline due to buildup of carbon dioxide, the study warns. So we're going to dive into that study. We're also going to touch on a 2015 study about the uh, the dangers of masks for pregnant women. And I know that so many people are like, oh, the mask issue is over. No, it's not. I see people all the time wearing masks. In fact, just a few days ago, I had a pregnant woman on an airplane sitting next to me wearing a mask the whole time. And we have to get this data out there. Pregnant women think that they're protecting themselves and their unborn baby, maybe from illnesses or the flu or what have you by wearing these masks, but they're actually putting themselves and their unborn children at risk. So we have to continue to talk about this. Dr. Fauci himself was quoted recently in the New York Times saying, masks work at the margins maybe 10% of the time. Dr. Anthony Fauci, so that um, people, you know, can't can't uh, censor us on social media for saying that because actually (laughs) Dr. Fauci admitted it finally. So we're going to talk about all that today with Kristen Megan. We're going to show you the studies, show you the facts. And if you enjoy these educational series and videos that we do with We the Patriots USA, we ask that you prayerfully consider donating at wethepatriotsusa.org to continue these efforts. You can also help us uh, contribute to all of our greater missions by hanging out with us at our We the Patriots USA National Conference upcoming in Boise, June 2nd and 3rd. Kristen is going to be there along with myself and so many other big names like Steve Dace, who I had on the show recently, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's coming up in just a week or two on the show. You can use code SECRET50 for 50% off your tickets. We want to see you there in Boise. I know Kristen and I do. So without further ado, let's talk to Kristen about these mask studies that are finally coming out and making headlines, uh, even though Kristen's been talking about this for years and years and years. Let's hear from her. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers educating ourselves and forging a new path forward hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom this is faithful freedom with taryn gregson presented by we the patriots usa a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our god-given inalienable rights hey kristen welcome back to the show to talk about masks and pregnant women again 
Well, I love being on your show. I can't wait for the day that we don't have to continue to talk about masking and its improper use and harm. I know, right? I I feel like um, we've sort of turned into a broken record. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I think it's so necessary that we keep talking about this because um, we just see people. I feel like I've recently seen more people wearing masks recently. I'm not really sure why that's all of a sudden been in an uptick. You know, there is a group of people who I think partially it's just they're being hardheaded and they don't want to put their guard down. But I also think that the propaganda was just so heavy that they have convinced people and instilled so much fear in them that it's it's and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but it's like they're pacifier. It's it's their comfort. And to be in public and feel that breeze on your face, I feel and it's a very strange comparison, but I can almost equate it to I, I spent almost 10 years on active duty. And when you're in the military and you go outside, you are so used to grabbing your cover, your hat. You can't go outside in your uniform. So it's like being in a uniform and going outside without a hat. Something feels off and you get worried about being in trouble. And I feel like there's kind of a, a dichotomy there and people just can't relax. They're just so fear driven. And it's, it's actually, it's very, very sad, especially when I'm seeing little children and pregnant women still participating. Yeah. And we're going to talk about too, uh, the dangers of children, because this uh, recent Daily Mail article that pointed to the study, which we'll pull that up to also talked about the negative effects of anxiety and neurological issues and things like that. But first, I want to bring up a 2015 study that you have cited on our show here on Faithful Freedom and on your own Vets and Visionaries multiple times. But you were awesome enough to send me that exact study. So we're going to show some slides to people. And this study, um, it's it's called Respiratory Consequences of N95 Type Mask Usage in Pregnant Healthcare Workers, a Controlled Clinical Study. And this is from November 2015. And the conclusion, it says here that breathing through N95 mask materials have been shown to impede gaseous exchange and impose an additional workload on the metabolic system of pregnant healthcare workers. And this needs to be taken into consideration in guidelines for respirator use. The benefits of using the N95 mask to prevent serious emerging infectious diseases should be weighed against the potential respiratory consequences associated with extended N95 respirator usage. And so it is pointing out here that there is a definite risk involved with pregnant women wearing these masks. And I, I'll show you one more um, slide from this study, and I'll also put this in the show notes. It goes on to say that, you know, there's little known effects of the, the N95, but it also says that it is known that pregnant women have a significantly greater respiratory burden due to the factors of increased oxygen demand. And so then it goes on to also say that there is robust data uh, linking respiratory compromise and adverse perinatal outcomes in women who have chronic respiratory issues. And so it points out that not only are pregnant women who normally have a hard time breathing as it is, anybody pregnant knows your, uh, your kids are your babies up in your ribs and you can't breathe. But then, you know, we have so many people these days with chronic illnesses and asthma and chronic breathing um, issues that that's also going to exasperate it for them as well. Well, the first thing I want to address is anyone who's followed my speeches or my social media posts since 2020, I've used the key term 
that both masks and respirators can impede proper gaseous exchanges. And what that really means is that we expel waste. So we know that when we're healthy and you talk about the metabolic system being impacted, that's when your body, the chemistry in your body impacts cells at a very small level. So we want to live in homeostasis and we expel waste gases, not just through fecal matter and urine and sweat. We expel waste gases through inhalation and exhalation. When you see someone hyperventilate, their arms kind of lock up like this. That's because you're impeding the gaseous exchanges, meaning you are not intaking enough oxygen and then you're trapping in that carbon dioxide or you're breathing so fast, your respiration rates are so increased that you're starting to inhale that. And then your body is responding and your hemoglobin is not transporting the oxygen to your organs and it's a domino effect. But I want to point that out because I've literally had doctors on Twitter spaces tell me, what are you talking about? Masks and respirators don't impede gaseous exchanges. And I just... I just want to lose it because of like this data has been around for decades. And if you go and you look um, at other, there's other studies, there's other language in my profession that says clearly, I even think it might be, I don't know if it's in this study. If not, I can provide you graphics afterwards to put in the video description that clearly talks about how pregnancy is usually always an immediate denial for people to be medically approved for respiratory use in the workplace. Yeah, you've said that multiple times on here and you've you have talked about how you used to use this study. That's what this is what really I think is crazy about this whole discussion is this 2015 study that you sent me and the one that you just spoke about um, you used in your profession and um, during the time your time in the military when consulted about respirator use for pregnant women. You've been using this data for years and years and years and then all of a sudden um, it's hard to find on the internet and it's, it's thrown out the window. You're exactly right. And that was very difficult because when you're having arguments in court or just even on social media or in the public, when I say that there are studies that I used to say all the time that I cannot find on the internet, I have them saved on my old laptops. That sounds a little kind of out there. And if you can't pro provide the proof, you kind of sound insane. This one I couldn't find for a while and I found it again. Um, it was kind of reprinted elsewhere. And that is, has happened so much also involving a lot of information from OSHA because OSHA has things called letters of interpretation. And there were many uh, letters of interpretation that had to do with this throughout the year. So that to me alone is a red flag. And I understand to the average layperson that is strange without the quote receipts. But as someone who's been in this profession for just over 20 years now, I mean, this is stuff that I used to put in my training slides. Because on an annual basis, any employee in an occupational setting, especially healthcare, we have to tailor the respiratory protection training to the specific workplace. And if it was involving especially healthcare, because that's where you see the most prolonged use of N95s, I had all this data in there about if you're pregnant, we have to put you in a more administrative duty. You won't be going into infectious disease wards. It's called an administrative control of worker rotation. Same thing when pregnant women are working around chemicals that can be absorbed into their breast milk while they're breastfeeding. So, I mean, it's, I call this my vindication tour because on your show several times, and I have tweets uh, from early 2020 where I said, listen, if this is gonna be done, absolutely do not do this if you're pregnant or if you're trying to get pregnant, or if you're a child. So, I mean, the truth is coming out and there's been articles that have been come out showing even worse 
um, impacts from prolonged mask use. But one thing I want to say about this study, Taryn, is the study did not cover a very prolonged period. So the mm-hmm. outcomes that were found were from a very short period of time. So now think about this in the world of the pandemic. And these people were asked to not only wear their N95 respirators and masks for eight to 12 hours on their feet, but they were also asked to reuse them, which Mm -hmm. had created moisture and didn't provide for the protection because they lose their electrostatic charge. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many different variables that go into this and so many different reasons why um, they are just not safety safe or healthy. And, you know, I love what you said earlier, and I want to keep reiterating that message of grace to anyone out there that's watching, or if you've passed this along, maybe to a pregnant mom or a mom who's having their children, you know, wear these masks, you know, all the grace to you, you're doing what you think, um, and are being told is right for you and your family. And so here we're just trying to provide the information and um, hopefully help you to make more informed decisions moving forward. So all the grace to you, whoever is listening. Now I want to move on to this Daily Mail article. Um, and I'll bring up the headline once again for everyone. The headline citing a study said that face masks may raise the risk of stillbirths testicular dysfunction and cognitive decline due to buildup of the carbon dioxide, the study warns. And one excerpt that I want to pull from this before we um, bring Kristen Megan back in, it says a review of dozens of studies on face coverings suggests that they can cause mild carbon dioxide poisoning when worn over long periods. They say that the buildup of the CO2 in pregnant women's bodies could cause complications for the unborn fetus. They point out that the CO2 also contributes to oxidative stretch, stress, which can affect cognition and cause testicular issues in men. So this is really highlighting a issue around fertility and pregnancy, both on the female and the male side of this. So a lot of times in my profession, I talk about how we can face hazards coming from multiple angles or cumulative dose or multiple routes of entry. So you're talking about this Daily Mail article that talked about a new study that showed uh, the testicular dysfunction and the stillbirths. But if you go back to that 2015 study, and it talks about how this impacts fetal metabolic weight, which was causing stillbirths, um, babies to be born underweight. And again, it goes back to the that impeding the proper gaseous exchanges. So from my perspective, I'm so glad that this information, it was trending quite a bit. So I got tagged in a thousand times. And uh, while I'm glad, I just, again, want to reiterate to people, this is not new data. It's really not new data. And that's why OSHA rules reflected it. This is something that has been around for a long time. But to talk about the routes of entry, we have talked about on both of our podcasts, our shows that the uh, experimental jabs have caused a lot of issues with miscarriages and stillbirths and fertility issues. So now a couple pregnant women who went and got the jab and they were, you know, impeding their breathing for the whole time during their pregnancy. So this is absolutely egregious because when you are especially at work, if you're being forced to wear this mask or respirator at work under OSHA law, which is a public health agency, you have a right to a safe and healthful work environment. And I tell people all the time, please understand your rights under OSHA, because even though OSHA turned a blind eye, 
you can use what they call the general duty clause, rule five, and you can throw it right back at them and file complaints. You know, you can stand up for yourself in an administrative way. And there are still medical facilities. There are still businesses and schools and colleges that are still forcing this issue. So mask mandates are one thing because they're a class two medical device, but N95 respirators, they have a whole different requirement. Being clean shaven can't be worn if you have a list of like six to 65 different medical issues. You have to be trained and fit tested on an annual basis. So when I see people having to promote or force the use of N95 respirators, to me, it's no different than someone saying everyone must take this medication without knowing anything about their, their human or genetic factors. So I, I try to keep my, my bearing, but to be very frank with you, Taryn, this pisses me off quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, me too. And you know, when you're, when you're talking about uh, OSHA having its own guidelines uh, about these masking and testing, I mean, everyone that follows me knows that I was fired um, because I uh, was refused my religious exemption from masking and testing while pregnant. And I even cited OSHA's own rules and OSHA's rules during the pandemic, I mind you, ones that they had updated specifically for the mandates that they were trying to enforce that were later uh, ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Um, it said right there in OSHA's own guidelines that employers must grant religious exemptions from masking on there because, like you say, uh, and have cited on here numerous times, that they had those longstanding rules. And so um, I stood firm in that and I kept telling my employer and showing them the OSHA the OSHA rule about exemptions from masking, um, you know, for religious exemptions. And of course I had the pregnancy uh, layer as well in that. Fortunately, I got fired. My uh, employer didn't care, but um, I have legal standing now and we're pushing forward with that. And we're still in the process. It's a long, long process. We're still going through that. So we'll take your prayers on that, that the, that the law is upheld in all of this. Um, so again, you know, if you're being forced to do this, please go and look at those, those rules. And we'll also put those as a link in here. And, you know, something else you pointed out, Kristen, is the other factors that are possibly leading to these stillbirths and the testicular dysfunction and things like that, you know, with the, with the vaccine, some people pointed that out on Twitter. I saw that people pointing out, you know, oh, can we really draw conclusions that it's the masks and, and things like that? Well, I want to point out, I actually did dig up the study and look at the study and it talks about the CO2 levels. This is important uh, that people see and know this data. So this um, this is the actual study that was that was um, published in the journal. And it says fresh air has around a 0.04 percent carbon uh, CO2 while wearing masks more than five minutes bears a possible chronic exposure to carbon dioxide of 1.41% to 3.2% of the inhaled, inhaled air. And the U.S. Navy toxicity experts set the exposure limits for submarines carrying a female crew to 0.8% CO2 based on animal studies, which indicated an increased risk for stillbirths. Additionally, mammals who were chronically exposed to 0.8% 3% CO2. The experimental data demonstrate a, uh, a um, irreversible neuron damage in the offspring. So they were putting in this, uh, the U.S. Navy themselves puts the toxicity level at 
3%. And this study is showing that when you are wearing this, these masks, you are going up to 1.4 to 3.2%. That's those numbers are just through the roof on the toxicity levels when wearing these masks. You know, it sure is. And just want to continue to reiterate the data is there and the government OSHA, the DOD knows because in the DOD, yes, we have the use of respiratory protection, but everyone in the military has to be fit tested to utilize a gas mask for readiness exercises, real world deployment. So there's an emphasis on the study, not just the use and what happens to your body when wearing respiratory protection, but the environments, because it's not one size fits all and you can be wearing other gear. So imagine you're in the military and you're pregnant and you're having to wear, you know, like a flak vest or something for a training exercise, whether you're in the early part of your pregnancy or you're just somebody who struggles and has a waiver because you have asthma. So you're creating a greater demand on the body that's already increasing your respiration rates. It can be hot when you're chem gear. So you have to factor in all these other issues and it's worse. So these outcomes and these levels will change based on the individual's working situation. That's why I kept screaming. Uh, it's not one size fits all or one size fits most. And another issue you know about my personal story, I've been exempt from wearing a respirator, not even exempt, a denial of use since 2012. So it was my nightmare when uh, businesses denied me and medical facilities denied me entry. And I ended up getting in though. <laughs> um, I just need a legal paper. You're a fighter. I love that about yeah. you. You're a fighter. Yeah. And uh, I just try to explain to people, do not tell me that there's not medical reasons. You mentioned religious when it comes to OSHA, but imagine in a workplace, people who can't wear a hard hat, people who can't wear respirators because they can't shave. There are so many issues that have been respected from a religious front for decades. And then when the masking and the vaccines came along, they were like, sorry, your rights don't matter because we're in you know, a, a health emergency. And let me tell you, religious rights and religious freedom is one of the most protected assets in our country. And it should be, it should continue to be. And, um, you know, people know many of the reasons, but, you know, I refuse to be discriminated against and shamed because that's what in the Bible, when you are covering your face, typically it is out of shame um, or, you know, people disgust toward you. And I refuse to be shamed as uh, someone who had religious reasons against the vaccine. I refuse to be discriminated against. I refuse to be shamed. And I'm not a Muslim woman. I don't cover my face, you know, that is not uh, that is not uh, what we do as Christian women. But I, I want to continue to talk about the CO2 levels because I think the data is so important to arm pregnant women and others um, with this. This is talking about with children. Um, and remember, I want to remind you guys that the, that the CO2 for fresh, clean air is 0.04%. The military said that the toxic level is, is no high. You shouldn't go any higher than 0.3%. Um, so additional data exists in the exposure of chronic 0.3% CO2 in adolescent mammals causing neuron destruction, which includes less activity, increased anxiety, and impaired learning and memory. There's also data indicating testicular toxicity in adolescents at CO2 inhalation concentrations above 0.5%. And if you see that reminder down there, when people are wearing the mask, they are experiencing 1.4% to 2 or to 3.2% of the inhaled air. 
and they're saying levels at 0.3 and 0.5 are dangerous for adolescents. And, um, you know, we talked about it was um, honestly, it felt like common sense to know that we shouldn't be covering our children's faces all day at school. But now here it is, the data laid out. We are seeing the anxiety go through the roof for our children, which obviously that has to do as well with social media and things like that and the fear that was perpetrated through these masks. But here's the data on how it was affecting their cognitive function and has now led to further anxiety in our children that were already more anxious than they ever had been in, in our nation's history. And, you know, I primarily covered how this impacts the body for adults, but a couple of years ago, uh, Layla Sentner from her Sentner Academy in Miami, it's amazing if you're not familiar with her story, she had uh, me, my colleague Tammy Clark, who's also an industrial hygienist, and pediatrician Dr. Larry Pilevsky. We went down to the school and we were having uh, discussions about our presentations and he clued me in on how we gave him the information of what you just shared. And then he went into all these neurological studies for uh, pediatric development and how it's that frontal lobe, when you have that increased carbon dioxide, it completely impedes and delays the growth of the frontal lobe, which is where all the decision-making goes through, is my understanding. I'm not a neurologist, but um, I just thought, oh my gosh, because really before, you know, the scamdemic, which I must call it, mm -hmm. um, you know, why would I be studying how masks and respirators impact, you know, children? We wouldn't because it clearly says do not use for children. There's not a single mask or respirator rated for child use. And it literally says can lead to death wow. on the boxes. Wow. Well, we know that um, we have been seeing children um, dying at an alarming rate. A doubt has covered the all-cause mortality rate among adolescents and youth in this country. And it has just skyrocketed since 2021 um, when we saw the uh, first, you know, at first the vaccine obviously was not uh, at that point, um, at that point cleared for children, but they were being forced to go back to school masked all day at that point. You know, for much of 2020, we have to remember that kids were still learning from home. So when they were met, when they were told to go back in 2021, they were wearing these masks and it wasn't until later in, um, in the year that the vaccine was then um, okayed for adolescents. And we, we've been seeing, you know, that all cause mortality rate continue to climb and climb. So now I want to talk to you about, and I've been talking to most people on here, what can we do now? I mean, obviously we've been um, trying to warn people and tell people to stop wearing these, these masks. They are not only, are they not helping you uh, to prevent catching the flu and other various viruses, but they could actually be hurting you. We've just already covered all of that data. And we've already talked to people about ways that you can um, lobby and try and get exemptions if you're still being forced to wear these. But now I, and you tell me what you're hearing, I'm starting to hear of um, even the thought and the, the discussion around surgeons who've been wearing surgical masks for years and years and years, mostly to like, in my, from my understanding to prevent you know, blood splatter on them and them accidentally like sneezing in you or something like that when you're having surgery. I'm hearing that maybe they're talking about not having them wear masks anymore too. You know, there's a study, I believe it was around 1995. And I think again in 2005 that actually covered, you know, like you said, masks are worn in a surgical setting to protect 
uh, open wounds and and just small suture sites to keep large bacterial droplets of spit and sputum. But let's think about that for a moment. So masks, you know, they if you run it under a sink, eventually the water is going to come out. So and there you have gaps all around the top, bottom, and sides. So the engineering controls that are in place deal with smaller particulates. So it's going to lift things out of the breathing zone. But there are face shields. There are other things inside of an OR that when you're working around a surgical site, you know, they kind of seal off different areas. Those are all administrative controls. So basically these studies showed that they did air sampling, they did observations, they, they, they looked at all of these risk factors and said, there's really no difference. But when you talk to, I know a neurosurgeon, Dr. Avery Jackson here in Michigan, he told me he absolutely did not wear a mask outside of the OR because he already was wearing them for eight to 12 hour surgeries and explaining what he was going through while wearing it inside of a controlled setting with increased air exchanges, colder environment. So I don't know about you, but if you needed brain surgery, I don't want my surgeon to feel lightheaded or dizzy, but he was very open about, you know, this is exactly why he would not double mask, meaning all day at work. And then while he's shopping, because when he comes back, he can't have any headaches or migraines or cognitive delay. Um, because one thing I, I want to talk about is, again, my vindication tour. At the very beginning of 2020, I started explaining what all this would do, what it would cause. And I talked about headaches and migraines, all from those improper gaseous exchanges. But about six or seven months ago, when I started to see a lot of talk about long COVID, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I was texting my doctor friends and my nurse friends. I said, hey, I'm not a doctor. But what I am seeing described as long COVID seems very familiar to me from prolonged mask wearing studies and respirator studies. Then cue the study that recently came out. It called it MEIS, Mask Induced Exhaustion, uh, Mask Induced Exhaustion Syndrome, MIES, and how it mimics long COVID. So much of long COVID, while well, long COVID is a thing. But people that think they have long COVID because of the headaches, the fatigue, and other issues with memory, that's from your masks. And it makes so much sense. If you are restricting your breathing and your gases, gaseous exchanges, I mean, we all know what that can lead to with um, headaches. And um, I definitely, like you pointed out, I don't want my surgeon if I'm in the middle of a surgery experiencing that. Um, I also would like my surgeon not to be, you know, on his 12th hour of work either, but that's another story. That's another yeah. story too. And, I, and, and bus drivers, taxi drivers, mm -hmm. pilots, all these different pilots. things. So, I mean, and, and I think what's so infuriating is when people say it's not hard, just put a mask on. And, and again, like to the average people, this is what infuriated me about doctors and public health professionals going on TV to talk about masking. I'm like, do not pretend for a moment that you ever studied how respiratory and mask use in certain environments impact the human body. Unless you're an occupational health nurse practitioner or doctor, your sandbox is over there. So I've kind of gotten a little salty and a little bit um, kind of loud about it. It's because we need to respect our own lanes. And I just recently was designated to be part of an Arizona intergovernmental committee with Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, Aaron Siri, my colleague, Tammy Clark, uh, Dr. Lionel Lee. There's a bunch of professionals and it's going to be the first governmental multidisciplinary accountability review of everything that went wrong. And that's why I have to call it a scamdemic. I'm not saying people weren't harmed or lost their life. 
but this was not about our health and safety because we didn't follow that hierarchy of controls, which I've mentioned millions of times. And we abandoned everything as government employees. We have handbooks, Taryn. We have handbooks on how to respond to a pandemic. And we just talk about book burning. Yeah. <laughs> we threw it out the window. <laughs> Your own, they burn their own books. It wasn't <laughs> other people's books, their own books they burn. Uh, well, I thank you for your time on that panel and just all the time. You you put so much effort and your own time into traveling the country and into you know doing shows like this and your own show, Vets and Visionaries. You, you donate so much of your time to others. You truly um, have continued to serve your country. And so I just thank you for all the work that you continue to do and the fight um, that you've been in for decades and continue to to do now. And so tell I want to tell everybody they can catch your show, Vets and Visionaries, on the We the Patriots uh, Rumble channel and podcast network each Monday. I'm so excited to, to meet you in person, finally, give you a big hug at our national conference, June 2nd and 3rd in Boise. Again, use that secret code 50 for 50% off your tickets and um, anything else that you have upcoming. Uh, I know you've also, one thing I do want to point out too, you've done so much work in East Palestine and we have, we the Patriots has a lawsuit against the EPA there for the massive uh, just dropping the ball and how negligence and and how mis how much that was mishandled by our government and the EPA. Can you give us an update on that real quick before I let you go? Yes. So I'm an expert witness on standby for this litigation, which we the Patriots as a plaintiff in. I've been working with an individual named Scott Smith who did a lot of underground sampling to provide to you know our organization wherever this case goes. And he's been doing a lot of media rounds and sharing his uh, sampling results with me. We're talking air, soil, water, and HVAC filters on top of refrigerators and the inlet valves everywhere. The amount of dioxins that are being found is not ubiquitous in the environment. This is what people don't understand with the EPA is they're trying to uh, say that these exposures di dioxins is coming from people who smoke cigarettes and, and burn their trash. What they don't know is there's technology to determine where these dioxins come from. Just like cancers, you can determine if it's from Agent Orange or cigarettes. So they don't really have um, the mental capacity to realize that there's people that don't work for the government in this profession that can see right through their improper response. So the exposure data is coming out. People are being harmed. People have chloracne, which is horrible. And if you go on Twitter and just look up the name Scott Smith, you will see he's done a lot of interviews talking about these exposures and consulting me behind the scenes with the messaging. So I have a lot of events coming up to fight the mask. I just want to reiterate the mask debate is not over. Uh, there's still people trying to plan ahead already for the next school year to put their children in masks. So we have to defeat, not necessarily, this is a violation of our constitutional rights, but we have to put sidebar the right aspects for a moment and say, it just doesn't work. And it not only does it not work, but it creates a greater harm. So if we solidify that science, which is why I will not stop until everyone recognizes it or a, a majority of the people that make these decisions, I'm going to keep going. And, uh, you know, I'm burning the midnight oil, but I took an oath that doesn't expire. And I will always use my credentials for good, regardless of who I piss off. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you can support all the work that Kristen and all of us are doing here at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. You can prayerfully donate to our efforts, our litigation efforts. And you can also follow her on Twitter. She's a great Twitter follow. You can 
see where she's at at any given day in the country fighting for our medical freedoms, our religious freedoms, and our health freedoms. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Taryn.